Welcome to the Heroic Hour podcast, the podcast dedicated to getting you mission ready for life by giving you some nuggets of health, wealth, and work in the real world. I'm your host, Nicholas McGill, Chief Experience Officer for Heroic Media. Thank you for listening to this episode. This is episode 23. If this is your first time checking out the podcast and you want to find show notes, downloads, or just connect with me personally, you can find us on the web over at getheroic.com. That's G-E-T-H-E-R-O-I-K.com. That's right. We spell our brand with K as in kick-ass instead of C as in cookie cutter. So you can find all things related to the show and our work over at getheroic.com. Now, if you've listened to a few episodes and you've liked what you've heard, do me a favor. Do me a solid. Give a review of this podcast over at iTunes or the Play Store or SoundCloud or however you're listening and share this podcast with a friend. You know, I take time to create some killer content here and go deep into the material. And all I ask in return is for you to dig it, spread the word, and give us a review. And as always, give me some feedback on how I'm doing and suggest some topics for the show or some things you want to hear about. Now, on this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about leadership and decision making and the different ways we sabotage our thinking when we blindly follow the playbooks of industry leaders and celebrities the faulty logic that tricks us into fast decisions that aren't necessarily good ones. We're calling this one, When Not to Follow the Leader. All right, this is going to be a good one, so let's get started. a leader, a boss, a peer, or a friend rationalize a decision by saying something like, company X uses product Y and they're a billion dollar company. Maybe you've even uh, caught yourself saying something like it to your team. And I've heard successful CEOs use this kind of reasoning in closed door conversations all the time. And the assumption that they're making is that if it worked for company X, it will work for us too. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And that little nugget of reasoning is what we're going to talk about today. Now, when we use the logic that Company X uses product Y and they're a Fortune 500 or some variation of it, what we're really doing is in the blink of an eye, in a split second, we're deferring our leadership, our judgment, and our critical thinking skills. In a split second, we're opting to follow the tactic of an industry leader hoping for similar success with very little evidence that that move was suited to our business and our situation. And leaders of companies, large and small, do this all the time. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it works, but more often than not, it belly flops. And people always seem to be confused or shocked when it does. So let's take a look at when not to follow the leader. So you might be thinking, you know, what's the big deal? What's there to think through? Company X is a Fortune 100 company. They're doing really well. They're relying on product Y. And they're having a lot of success with their business. Therefore, product Y is the good choice, right? Well, many leaders rationalize it further by saying things like, Company X is a Fortune 100. They crush it. They make billions. We want to be like Company X. Company X is our muse. We want to model ourselves after Company X. So why shouldn't we use product Y? The big deal there is that the leaps of logic and rigged thinking that we use to trick ourselves to driving these kinds of leadership decisions, 
really gets in our way. The bottom line is that mimicking the tactics that, that we see at the superficial level uh, of these other leaders doesn't guarantee that we will be successful at duplicating uh, the success of others. In fact, it's a crappy way to go unless you're committed to a more sincere attempt at reverse engineering and kind of diving deep in with uh, your critical thinking skills and careful analysis of what you're observing and what you're thinking those leaders are using to uh, drive their success. But, you know, for argument's sake, let's be honest. This is basically the business equivalent of watching Jordan or Kobe or LeBron crush it on the court and then you think, because of the shoes that they're wearing, that that's what's driving their success. And of course, you want to buy a pair too. The reality is, as you probably know, a new pair of Nikes probably isn't going to help you get closer to dunking, not even when you account for the power of the placebo effect or, or your newfound sense of inspiration or belief that you could possibly dunk. right? And maybe you're not into sports analogies. Here's a different way of viewing it. You know, as Tyler Durden put it in the movie Fight Club, sticking feathers up your butt does not make you a chicken. But some of the smartest CEOs ignore that lesson, and they elect to mimic the tactics and use the tools of their competitors and industry leaders, hoping to reap similar successes. And you'd be amazed at how fast the rapid-fire gut decisions are made off of bad intel and faulty logic. Now, as children, we're taught you know, we're all taught lessons about following trends for trend's sake um, and doing what other people do j simply because they're popular. Um, but it's hard to fight our biological programming. As a species, we're hardwired to be social and to mimic others to fit in and feel safe. And that gives us that assurance that we're on the right course when we fit in. Now, as kids, we might get picked on a little bit less um, by blending in you won't get the same results as other people doing the same thing. Yet even at the Fortune 500 and 100 level, there are business leaders out there treating the game like a fashion show and making decisions exclusively on what they see other people doing and wearing. Now what's even worse is that there's also, in, in the business community out there as a whole, there are many, 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 many VCs, advisors, consultants, and mentors, and vendors who pick all of their mantras and equip their tools and their software all from cherry-picking the little nuggets and mantras from the bestseller list. And they follow suit without analyzing a situation with the circumstances or company to see if a certain strategy or tool is in alignment with the company they claim to serve. So you know that uneducated mimicry leads, leads us astray and that what we're tempted to do is to feel safe, to fit in, and survive. But this can get in the way of good leadership. And what else makes it tricky when we follow the leader in business? Well, point number two here is that, you know, you probably do not know by a quick glance or a quick look if product Y is actually helping or hurting company X, especially if company X is really big. And that's because large companies have you know, they even have trouble pinpointing what's helping and hindering their successes. This is why they hire outside consultants like guys like me, right? They're, all, they're inside the operation and they often don't know with any degree of certainty or specificity what is really essential and what is not, what is slowing them down and what is speeding them up. It's hard to pinpoint these things with being, you know, in such a large machine. And all we see 
is as outsiders is the technology and the choices on on the surface level. You don't know if you know LeBron's feet ache after wearing those Nikes. Why? Because great players are masters, and they have plenty of ways to compensate in other ways and make adjustments. Big businesses can afford to take larger risks and compensate by making adjustments in in other profit centers, departments, and with teams and with other revenue streams that you probably wouldn't even notice because they don't appear on the surface. Point number three here is another horrible assumption that we make as, as leaders, especially when looking at technology, is we look at the marketplace of tools and, and we think in terms of simple tools. Now, when I say tools, I'm talking about all of the software, all of the solutions, all of the platforms that we rely on for complex business models to get things done and make a profit. We often don't think of or know the true costs or consequences of using product Y. We just, you know, use our trusty shortcut thinking, you know, thinking that company X is great, they use product Y, therefore if we use product Y, we'll be great too. And, and <laughs> what happens is we spend less time in consideration and only inspect that initial price tag of a lot of the tools that we're going to use you know, that initial price tag that we initially and quickly recognize. I know this because I live and breathe in the world of B2B sales land and enterprise sales land where we leverage that behavior to our advantage and try to sell more stuff at a higher profit margin. And this is done by with the use of fine print, upsells, cross-sells, and the, the other foot or the hefty price tag on the back end, on the maintenance, and all of these other things that have built been built into these business models and pricing schemes. Yet people buy based on the look, based on that initial price tag, and you know, especially when they see other popular people using product Y, especially at the enterprise level. So for example, imagine if, if using product Y results in a net impact of, of a 0.1% loss in profits for that billion dollar company or company X, right? That, that company that you want to be like that company might barely notice a 0.1% drop. But that 0.1% drop could be millions of dollars that comparatively to you would, would put a smaller company out of business. And I know this all too well working with technology and software as a service platforms especially. These solutions have a tremendous impact and unexpected influence on the behavior, the values, the entire culture of your company. But not many leaders think about that when they ask their CTO, their CTO, their IT guy, their CIO to select a dashboard or tool set for their team, except for guys like me, who see it and know all too well that the decision to use product Y is costing company X a fortune, and it, it cuts into their near and long-term profits. My point here is that if your company is smaller in size and in resources than your muse or, the, or your idol, that company acts, then the, the costs or the drawbacks, the consequences that cut into your profits may be just a scratch for company acts, but they may be fatal to you. And as leaders, we need to be aware of that possibility as we model their behavior. All right, big picture. It's important to reconsider if company X is really the right muse for you in the per first place. Oftentimes, as human beings, as leaders, we want to choose our heroes and muses based on those at the absolute top of their game. And the problem with this is that their game isn't our game. They're often in a completely
completely different scenario with different circumstances, different obstacles, resources, and a completely different lens, vision, brand, culture, and set of values compared to you and your company. To put it simply, all of these differences matter. And, you know, they make many of the big boys a bad match to be your muse. The tools we use, be they complex solution systems, methods or workflows, or something as simple as the shoes that we wear, need to be a fit for our circumstances, a fit for our goals, our vision, our companies, and our people, and our teams. As a leader, it's your job to be more discerning and precise and, and point in uh, regards to the, you got to be on point in regards to this level of alignment. That's what you got to be seeking out. There's another assumption we like to make as well, because it helps us feel safe when we make leadership uh, decisions when we defer judgment to those we think are better leaders than ourselves or lean into their reputation to make fast decisions that we want to feel good about. That happens in the blink of an eye as well. Let's talk about another example of the same kind of logic that trips us up uh, as leaders. Now, have you ever been in a conversation with a group of people and were told that, well, you know, Mr. X disagrees and he's the CEO of this huge company? And then they assume, or in the conversation, it's assumed that because those things are true, that Mr. X surely must be right. This is the same kind of deferral of critical thinking that we sabotage ourselves with all the time. As an advisor and a consultant, this is a regular occurrence, especially in high-stakes discussions, because we're prone to want to feel comfortable in our decisions, and so we want to defer the decision itself to somebody we look at as a, as a better leader than us. And in these moments, you know, all due respect to everybody's resume, I don't care... If anybody, if that guy who disagrees with me was the ghost of Steve Jobs himself, the name and reputation alone are not strong arguments against a reasoned position. They count, but surely not for much, because we know that good ideas and better ideas can come from anywhere in the organization. They can come from the janitor, right? And they must be weighed primarily on their merits. Now, of course, depending on which side of the conversation you're on, either selling an idea up the food chain or discussing an idea with a team member, you could be wrong or mistaken or just not have factored in all the important angles. You could be wrong and you know you may be the type who is tempted to shrink away from sharing your position when, you know, when countered with somebody's reputation. But accepting an idea as valid based only on the person presenting it and their reputation without evaluating the merits of their reasoning, you do yourself a disservice. You basically deny or re reject the power of your own faculties of reasoning and yield to an intimidation tactic, which is basically a form of social bullying. And giving in to a bully, that tactic, you know, that isn't the way of the leader, at least not a heroic leader. Neither is retreating from uh, confrontation, unless it's a strategic retreat. But it amazes me how many discussions and arguments are brought to a close simply by a business version of name dropping. My point here is don't be swayed by the mere mention of a famous name. Dare to be a free thinker who perceives that, you know, even the great ones can be wrong. I've worked with some of the world's best and brightest minds and leaders of the largest companies in the world, and I've seen all of them make some of the dumbest decisions not only for their business but in everyday life. They're human beings just like us. I know it feels uncomfortable to even, you know, perceive or really visualize just how human even the best of us are, yet as a leader, it's critical that you remember that and not defer your judgment to somebody else's playbook for some scenario that 
weren't wasn't really it's not your scenario. It's imperative to keep your mind in the game, inspect the arguments for their merits, and be disciplined and discerning. Good ideas can come from anyone, even the janitor, remember? And in the face of the merits of a good idea, would you still defer to some other great CEO? Would you still defer your judgment to, to Steve Jobs? Heck no. You got to remember that, that even those guys, even Jobs and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett made horrible calls that even you yourself wouldn't have made if you were in their shoes. So don't sell yourself or your team short by selling out and backing away from your own thought process and decision making just because CEO X would have done it differently. You too are capable of great thoughts and ideas, but don't defer your judgment to celebrities or the rich and powerful without thinking carefully. It's one thing to disagree with your team. It's entirely another thing to tune them out or ignore them in their thoughts. And this is exactly another layer of what happens um, if, if you add extra weight to the, the name versus the idea. It's hard to catch ourselves when we do it, too, because we tip the scales with that little bit of sense of celebrity bias and hero worship. But it's an important part of leadership to pay attention to that. Wisdom comes from within. And within your organization is your team who knows your goals, needs, vision, brand, culture, and circumstances. Their opinions may be reflecting those aspects. So allow your leadership to be informed by all the different perspectives, but don't defer judgment to others, no matter how tempting or safe a course that appears to be. So to wrap things up, using the same tools or methods as Apple or Google or mimicking the strategies of their leaders won't necessarily do much for you. They're different brands, different cultures, and different minds playing a different game. Let them inform and inspire your thinking, but don't defer your judgment of what's best for you or your company to their playbook and their leadership. They were not thinking about you specifically when they chose Product X or Path Y. They were doing what great leaders do, evaluating decisions through the lens of their market, their business, their brand, their culture, their people. And you should do the same. All right. That's all the time I, we have for this episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, give us a review out there on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you may be listening to us from and reach out to us over at getheroic.com. Like us on Facebook. You can find us under that same name and we will catch you on the next episode. Welcome to the Hidden Track After Party for this episode. And, you know, bottom line, if you want to make gains or improve, start first with a better muse. The best muses aren't on the cover of the magazines, the bestseller lists, or, at the, or on the top podcasts. Not even this one, 
right? They're usually off the beaten path in the thick of the same kind of fight, the same game, wearing the same kind of shoes and aspiring to similar goals as you are. It's great to be inspired, but it's important to select a muse you can use to help you reach that next rung on the ladder of your journey as a leader, um, as a company, an organization, and a team. Some of the best books I've read and used to boost my business and improve my quality of life were written by relative, relative unknowns. Right? These are better kept secrets. Look for the lesser known curators of fine content. Look for those AAA players. The most valuable mentors that I've had weren't often seen on the cover of business magazines, but they were neck deep in the throes of their business challenges and spared enough time to share their experience and expertise with me. Remember, even as leaders, it's tempting to play it safe, to persistently fit in to our industry, to that section of the market, all by focusing on what's trending. But at that point, you're looking at what was moved and shook, which is a fleeting commodity, and it's not really what's moving and shaking things up now. Most of what grabs our attention isn't the story of what exactly Company X did to grow out of the garage or move out of the basement. Yet I'd bet that's the exact kind of muse that would serve many of you. Maybe it's reading about the AAA player who went from 5 to 10 million because that's the road you're on and the next milestone of your journey. Bottom line, know when to not follow the leaders and look instead for the right muse that's playing the same game as you are. You'll be glad you did. All right, let's rock out. Catch you next time.